Welcome to Sales Chatter, my friends, and welcome to Wednesday's episode, Data Day Wednesday. I got here, um, uh, I don't know if uh, Instagram's going to go live this morning, y'all. Oh, there we go. We are live on Instagram. Um, so here is Data Day with... Oh, sorry, wrong way. I'm all confused this morning, everybody. All right. Let's bring everybody in. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best introduction ever. (laughs) That conversation just totally messed me up before the ball boys. (laughs) Right off the rails. I mean, this bad boy hit the ocean. You know what I'm saying? Like we went from inland rail right over to the ocean. That's, uh, oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> uh, uh. Good morning. Yeah, good, good afternoon. Morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, lots to Lovely. talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. And um Oh boy, I'm still getting over that. So just for everybody watching and listening, um, there is a a backstory to what just happened there. The first one minute of a total debacle of a show that we've been doing for years that all of a sudden sounds seems like we just started quick play and said, let's figure out what to talk about. Um, we were having a conversation in the back end that just turned into an all-out comedy show and then realized what time it was and hit send and was still in the comedy mindset, giggling my arse off inside. So Dean and Jeff, thank you for that, brothers. I appreciate that. I needed that this morning. Likewise. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, we were talking about uh, the Suez Canal and we were talking about the pirates. And there's a video going around where there's this boat. Like, so if the pirate ship was this, if the, the military warship was the size of my office, the boat was about this big. And this boat of pirates is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And there's these like 80 millimeter cannons that, that shoot a thousand rounds a second aiming at them. Like, turn around or else. And they're like, no, nope. we can make let, it. Let, we, we can, can just... make it. <laughs> and then they just got totally obliterated in the water. And I'm sorry, we're laughing at dying, but I, I don't know. <laughs> And the bodacious scent is even laughing, talking about being on the naughty list. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! <laughs> but that was that was anyways, so funny. For all you all pirates right. out there that are watching, just maybe turn around when you see the. Yeah, just do a quick view. Good idea. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, let me think. A little a little fishing boat with a 300 horsepower, uh, you know, uh, whatever they call them, uh, engine on the back versus a aircraft carrier or destroyer, a U.S. military destroyer. <laughs> Um, well, hey, you know, if you're a betting man, the odds are. <laughs> yeah, really. All right, let's yeah. get into the real data right. here. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sam Hunter, real people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Mr. Cook. Yep. So I know I watched your show yesterday with Jason Miller and Ken and um, really interesting, brother. It was, uh, it was a great conversation. You guys looked like you were having a lot of fun, the four of you. Um, do you want yeah. to just fill us in and, and what we're looking at? I know we were doing going to do a 2023 recap, and then we're going to talk a little bit about an outlook for 2024, and we've got about 25 minutes to do it, and I'll shut up. Yeah, so I'll start with um, Jason's view of the world, which I, I highly respect his opinion and outlook because he's 
you know, as I've said before, tenured and doesn't care who he offends. He calls it exactly as it is. That's the sort of analyst you want, someone not yep. selling anything. And then we'll talk a little bit about what Chris Kaplan sees because I think that'll feed into what Jeff's seeing on the shipper side or the shipper, you know, buy side. Um, so, Jason, um, we started off six months ago talking about second half of, well, so the second quarter of next year being an optimistic recovery point. He doesn't really see that. I think the data would tend to line up with what he's saying. He doesn't. So he, he summed it up by saying slow first half, better second half was sort of his best case scenario. Um, and does as, he have like an estimate as to what slow means? Like kind uh, of same as we've just had, like a status quo kind of moving yeah, in or so, slower yeah. than the status quo has been? No, I think I think flat. So flat, flat from where we are now, right? So like no significant change because a lot of the data points that he spoke to uh, were, you know, reporting uh, volumes are down and he mentioned construction, chemical and paper production flat year over year, but down 10% from early 2020, wood products down 5%, machinery down 6%, uh, and, uh you know the the big residential construction industry, of course, is down. It's in a it's in a stalled pattern at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we're not making as much food. We've got less produce. So, and that's of course compared to last year, which is still coming off the, the pandemic influenced uh, market that we saw, where things were much higher. So your year over year comparisons, you've got to be careful with those. But um, he, his overall freight index has demand pegged at slightly above 2019 levels, a little bit uh, higher than a uh, little bit higher than 2019 levels, which is again where we think we see the market settling back down to. Uh, auto sector, um, it's one of the industries that carried a lot of freight volume last year or this year. He thinks that'll decline next year as dealers start to sell off inventories. Mm-hmm. Uh, his summary was first half, uh, very little activity. Second half, he used the word opaque. Um, his summation, I tend to agree with him. It's hard. We, we made a comment on our signal report and our freight forecast for this year that it's it's increasingly hard to read the tea leaves. Normally, the seasonality in trucking is, is a pretty good bet. It's hard at the moment because the Federal Reserve has to start cutting interest rates before we start to see any meaningful movement in the market. Um, normally it takes nine to 18 months for an effective drop in interest rates to take effect. But because the reaction to interest rates going up last year was so swift, he's confident that um, he thinks it'll be June. We'll start to see, um, be, well, it'll be June before we start to see the Fed uh, proposing interest cuts, not June, uh, sorry, not March, as has been uh, touted by some people in the media. So, um I think that can I can I address something just on the automotive theme for one second? So having a conversation with a friend of mine that works at one of the big three. Yep. And um she's been sorry, my wife was having a conversation with her. She's been laid off for four months. Mm. The Mm. plant is closing for retooling because they're switching to electric vehicle. Right. And apparently she said there's multiple plants across Mm. Ontario and Canada doing that. And I asked, I said, like, how many truckloads a day? Like, how many deliveries a day? And she said, we were probably 10 to 12 a day of parts. So, you know, you you think, take that. And I mean, we're just talking that she's at one plant in Ontario. Do you know what I mean? And which has multiple plants. And then there's multiple plants across Canada and across the U.S. And it'd be interesting because obviously looking at that, that's four months, December, January, February, March. 
Yep. Right. So there's all of Q1. Whoever was doing freight to that location doesn't have that freight anymore. Exactly. Not only that freight, but you look at like the Magnas and and all the other companies that support that plant. Yeah, all the tier no longer have that. Twos. Yeah, and it's it, it, and that's a huge amount of business, right? Ten to twelve trucks huge. a day coming in delivering, like you know, door handles, auto because they were a full assembly plant, right? Uh -huh. So all the pieces are coming in from everywhere, and they're assembling it, and they're mm -hmm. retooling. And then uh, my brother-in-law is that a major uh, robotic welder supplier? Mm -hmm. And he said the same thing. He says, mm -hmm. he, they're gearing up for a mm -hmm. new round of tooling mm -hmm. because the mm -hmm. tooling for electric vehicles is gonna, different. it needs totally different welding facilities. Right. And so he's like, we're busy because they're retooling. So it's like one market drops, the other one catapults. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Here's another thing, Dan, that you have to take into consideration is, um, uh, what do you call it, a depleting, current inventory because now they're changing the whole models so yeah. they're going to have outbound freight because they have to alleviate all all that uh, all those parts that they were doing prior no to the retooling yeah. empty the shelves to bring in the inventory to stock up to start up the lines yep so you figure how how is that going to impact now yep. also when you think about the retooling it's coming out a bad time of year because what happens in the first quarter of every single year? Mm. Dean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it goes down. It's not a high point in the industry. So exactly. now you've got this complicating everything else where people were carriers were relying right. on auto parts. It's not there now. Especially well, and then it extends to uh air cargo, ocean carriers, containers, yes. imports, and, and intermodal because carloads are a Absolutely. big intermodal business. So I think this is a it's a really interesting point, Dan. I'm glad you mentioned some of those anecdotes there because that supports what Jason was talking about. He went on to talk about specific components on certain lanes, and I think I think that's something we're gonna to have to watch next year. So not mm -hmm. a not a great story. I mean, I guess the good news is that they do see some optimism that the market will return to normal. I mean, it, it has to, right? It has to turn at some point. I think the overall theme from the show yesterday was that uh, Jason said that never in history has supply leaving the market turned the market around. It's always been a demand-driven event. Mm -hmm. And and he's, as he's been saying all year, he doesn't see any major event in, on the horizon that will change the, you know, demand. Mechanics right. of hauling more freight. We need people to manufacture more, build more, dig more holes, all that sort of stuff. There's no aha moment. Yeah. Um, so barring some sort of massive geopolitical risk and, you know, the Houthi rebels start attacking infrastructure as opposed to ships, you know, if they started attacking... Which isn't at all, you know, I mean, if they're going to attack warships, why not infrastructure? It's yeah. probably easier. It doesn't shoot back. Then they start <laughs> to have a big impact on global oil surprise. So... There's, I mean, there is, we're not without risk, um, but we've had some pretty big upsets in the market in the last little while in the Middle East, in particular, a lot of our oil comes from, and it has, diesels continue to drop against, you know, a lot of predictions, including mine. I thought there would have been a much higher risk premium added into diesel prices. Um, because we're producing so much oil here, diesel prices continue to fall. Mm. Oh, well, um, you know what? I am I am glad gas prices are falling because it's coming into snowmobile season and they take premium fuel. Yes. So I am really excited about that, to be honest with you, considering oil. Just to give you guys an idea, so four liters of snowmobile two-stroke oil, mm -hmm. okay, 
Um, I used to get it pre-COVID for about $35, like the, I do it in bulk, right? So I save my bottles and then they go and fill them up in bulk, $35. Um, Last year, before the season, I went and got five jugs filled up. Um, It was $82 a jug Hmm. for two stroke oil. Now, obviously, I didn't ride last year because I was sick, so I have all right. that oil this year. So I don't know what it is this year, but I'm telling you that catapult in, mm-hmm. and I can only speak for you know the oil I put in my sled. I don't, you know, I, I know my oil changes have gone up. Mm-hmm. But, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like so, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> so Sam Hunter says, "Real people." And then there, there's Nerf. Good morning, ladies. <laughs> and have a confession, mate. I thought your forearm read. Malkin, I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Steelers fan. Uh, not Steelers. Uh, what is it? Penguins. Penguins fan, is it? Penguins, yeah. Can you stoke it three times? Does it make it cheaper? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Nerf, love when you're on the show, buddy. Um, yeah, so, so I'll just finish off the thought about, you know, yesterday's show. So so Jason's summed up, uh, it's on YouTube if you want to listen to some of the details, and Chris Kaplis was pretty consistent. Uh, from a shipper's perspective, he thought they were in a holding pattern, have been for three, uh, for several months. He used the analogy of Groundhog Day. Uh, not a lot of change from a shipper's perspective. They are waiting for the other shoe to drop. They expect something to happen. Um, but he used a very interesting metric, and it's kind of it's one that I don't know how you quantify. But he used the metric of un- unsolicited calls from brokers and carriers to shippers looking for freight, and they are on the ship, last shippers roundtable. They ask the question, and we get a response. We have a poll, uh-huh. but it's a it's a show that we we run where there's no media and we don't publish any of the results. We don't record it because they're all you know our shippers. Um, sharing some of their uh, internal operation metrics. But what that, what Chris said is on our call from two weeks ago that the call volume of inbound calls by brokers and carriers soliciting for freight was still high. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't give you the data behind what high means, but it certainly wasn't going the other direction, which was we're not getting any calls. So they took that to mean that people are still looking for freight to move. Absolutely. And the market mm-hmm. is still softening. Um, he said that, um, um, again, truckload capacity leaving the market won't cause the market to turn, uh, but they don't see demand picking up any time soon. Um, he, he did say that shippers weren't, um, weren't they were reluctant to do long-term bids. And this is sort of a segue to Jeff's feedback on this. They weren't looking to do long-term bids because rates are still falling in the single digit range. So why would you do a 12-month bid and lock in a rate that could be lower? So they're kind of... Um, I'll, I'll use the analogy I've used before. It's like sitting on the fence. You get a, a you know, a, a rear end full of splinters, and and what's happening is um, a lot of them are sitting on the. Fence. <laughs> it's a good analogy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great analogy because it's happened to me before. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's actually it's either it's who's sitting on the fence though. Is it the shipper? Yeah, and then the when broker? you slide off, it hurts. Uh, that's off. it. That's it. So you don't want to put yourself out there. Right. You don't want to put yeah. them out there, and you surely don't want to put your yourself yeah. out there. Yeah. So that's why they're shrinking those RFPs. Right. Just right. to be cautious. To be extremely yeah. cautious right now. Yeah. I used another term this week to describe the wind. I said it. I said it to blow a dog off the chain, and someone said, "What?" 
What do you mean blow a dog off? Well, we, we had sheepdogs on our farm and we put them on a chain on a, on a run, a wire that goes for like 300 yards, and they can run up and down the, the dog run. Yeah. And I said, well, we've had dogs get blown off the chains on, on occasions on the farm because it was so windy. And they said, you're nuts. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it does. It does. When, I mean, when a pit bull goes off a chain, yeah. You don't want to be around. That's pretty much the environment that we live in right now. Everybody out there is a pit bull, man. They want to just chew up oh, everything yeah. they possibly can. And well, that's what's I mean, happening if, when if those got... volumes are going up, man. They're just going yeah. nuts. Yeah. They're off the chain. Well, I mean, you, you look at some of the brokerage companies. Brokers are laying people off. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, carrier, like Matheson or whatever it was. Just Yes. Went, you know, like. You got carriers going out of business. You got brokers laying people out. I mean, it happens, right? It's one of these things. I've even heard a couple of stories now, believe it or not, about brokers screwing around with people's commissions. Oh, that's hard. Um, it's it's horrible, horrible. I mean, horrible. I, had, I had a call from a buddy of mine last night where he's like, "Hey, listen, can I get some help? Uh, I, I'm being and it's a third call this week, and it's Wednesday." from people I know that said, Hey, listen, can you like direct me in the right way or give me some advice? Like I'm, I'm getting screwed on my commissions. Mm. Um, I remember when I was at a company, um, we were doing a lot of warehouse business and, and things started to get tight and the company just arbitrarily decided that we're changing the commission structure for warehouse um, and just put it into effect. And we're all sitting there going, what? Like, are you kidding? And it was like knocking six, seven G's a month off my commission statement. Hmm. and it's a big hit hmm. and well, i'm hearing it a lot more that companies are holding back hmm. um they're starting to say things like i'll pay you when i get paid um like i have one call this week where uh, a, 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 i guess a student as opposed to a colleague more of a student um said you know i'm not sure what to do they just put into effect that commissions are going to be paid based on who's paid us right and he's like you know I'm expecting a commission check on X day in December. And now I'm not, I'm getting like a third of my check because they just hit it with us two days. So like nobody had any time to start calling customers and say, pay your bills, pay, you know what I mean? It was, but customers are starting to extend bills as well. So there's all these little trinkets sprinkled across the industry. So this is sort of the uh, fallout at the bottom of this freight cycle that we're in, right? Where everyone's margins are getting compressed. Um, but also on our show yesterday, we had an interesting discussion with a large carrier this week, and they are so their one-way network is not as robust, but their the growth in their business is dedicated dedicated contract freight for shippers, and um, and we sort of asked the question why and why would shippers do that? Well, it's to lock in capacity, you know, it's to make sure they lock in service. And so that's a, that's so what what that means is there's less freight in the spot market. If you look at freight waves outbound tender reject index today at four point four eight percent, kind of historically low for this time of the year. Normally it'd be triple that, and when it was closer to three, maybe a week ago. So there is a little bit more rejection going on in the market. But if you're if you're a large contract carrier accepting ninety six percent of loads, you're getting in the you know middle of December, one week to go until Christmas, that to me tells you that there's not a lot of freight falling through routing guides into the spot market for brokers to move. So there's there's that going on also on top of flat demand, maybe flat to decreasing demand. So that's why it, that feeds into Dan, I think why brokers are seeing much lower volumes this time around. Mm -hmm. 
and it's like anything, right? When volumes drop, all of a sudden the calls pick up. Yeah. People got to fill the pipelines and they got to, yeah. they got to fill their quota and they want us to keep making the money. You know, um, Robert, actually, uh, Hey, Robert, Mr. Peterson, how are you, buddy? Um, Robert asks a really good question, guys. He says, what type of recourse do, would an agent have? They usually, they are usually tied up in con in a, into a contract that says that what the company will pay, isn't that a breach of contract? Um, so here's what I always say. Um, like, Rob, if, if you're, and I'm sure that Dean and Jeff will agree with me, if your company's screwing you around, just leave, change companies. Go yeah. to one that's oh. going to treat you the way you deserve to be treated, right? Okay. Um, for recourse, I've always said when it comes to recourse, is it worth throwing good money after bad? Um, you know, I mean, when we when we had our brokerage company opened it in 2005, and, and when we when it collapsed in 2008, see the economy, well, mainly my ego, but the economy as well. Um, we had a client that owed us $120,000. Wow. They're like, oh, you guys are dissolving. Okay, have a good day. And they just walked away from the debt. Hmm. And I remember saying to my business partner, screw that, let's sue the hell out of them. Like they're a large US corporation. He goes, okay, Danny goes, so do you really want to throw good money after bad? Like these people have 15 lawyers on staff. We have to right. hire a lawyer. Hmm. And so <clears throat> we elected to walk away from the 120 grand. Um, and wow. it burned, like it burned me inside for a good year and a half. I know, which is crazy. Cause it's a huge time to live with this, but oh, yeah. it was like, and I, but I've just realized over time that, you know, do you really want to throw good after bad? And, and the, and the strategy that I've always said is just go out and find somebody that's going to treat you right. And even if you have to start over, like, I, I know a lot of people are terrified to start over, but I've always said. Would you rather be where you, you know, be at this place you are, continue to get throttled by the people that you're, you're employed by, or would you just rather go out and start something new and just say, okay, I'm going to wash my hands of it. And now I'm going to start from fresh. And I know a lot of people don't like that answer, but Dan, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to start fighting with your employer? No, but Dan, it's a godsend. And here's the reason why it yeah. tells you the financial stability of the business that you're working for. If they have to go yes, and do right. that, that means that they are cash flow poor right. right now. That's exactly what it's like telling you, here's the door, take a fucking hike, get out of here because we're going to be closing up or we, we just can't sustain. We're not, it, we're not sustainable. I mean, that's a godsend to me. It'd be like, see you, man. Uh-uh. Like you yeah. said, why would you pour money or whatever or just to have a job to get less than what your value is? How would that never devalue value? You know what your value is? Get go, take off, man. You'll have a better chance out there, or even better, start your own business. There you go, there you go. Um, I know we're cutting short on time, Dean. Did we? Uh, do you have any, yeah. anything else when it comes to data? Yeah, uh, one data point I wanted to share. I'm doing a, a writing a piece at the start of the year on wrapping up where carriers ended this year, but I couldn't explain uh, 2023 without explaining the prior five years because we ended up in 2023 because of what's happened over the last few years. It just wasn't an isolated market and a freight cycle. It was a freight cycle that started three years ago, but it really started um, in 2018, 2019. And I had, you know, so I've done a five year chronology. Where carriers ended up this year, if you take the benchmark that I've been running for owner-operator long haul, they ended up breaking even at the end of the year. They were making about the equivalent of $3,000 a year gross profit. 
which wouldn't even pay for a set of drive tires. And and they ended up losing about $3,000 a year, the equivalent of $3,000 a year in the second half of the year. So start, started out okay, ended up, you know, not, not, not terribly bad, but not making enough profit to get by. And uh, the net result was breaking even. So that contrasts to last year, average gross profit would have been 42,000. The prior year, it was closer to 100. 2019, it was like negative 2,000. 2018, it was like 38,000. So there's this roller coaster ride of profitability that we're seeing, but we're coming back to levels of profitability that we saw in 2019 for carriers. And I think with carriers continuing to exit, large contract carriers are still slow rolling their you know, driver hiring and level of capacity to meet demand. So they'll continue to contract uh, their capacity levels. Rates will continue to fall on the contract side. And uh, spot market capacity, the marginal carriers that joined late in that 2021 cycle or continue to exit. So we're still in the down cycle in terms of losing capacity, both spot and contract, uh, certainly in the first half. But I really think the first quarter is going to be really hard for a lot of carriers that are marginal right now. Oh, my Lord. Did you guys see this? What? Holy crap. Look, at we just spotted Santa in a Peterbilt. <laughs> Standard drives the Peter.